Hi, and welcome to Humans Behind the Ads, a podcast of real stories about people who work in the advertising industry and what it's really like behind the scenes. Sponsored by Small Army. I'm your host, Paul Dome, head of content production at Small Army here in Boston. All right, uh, here we are. Uh, I'm speaking today with Trip Clements, who's a creative director of Windy Films. Trip, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Paul. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, glad to have you. So, uh, you work at Windy Films, which is a creative production a company that started in Boston and now has expanded, uh, right, to markets outside of New England. And you um, you present yourself as a creative production company uh, producing stories that matter. Can you talk a little bit about sort of either of those, what, what that means to be a creative production company and also stories that matter? Yeah, what we really try and do at Wendy is support all of the hard work that's been done by the ad agency and their client, or if we're working directly with a client, is their marketing department. Mm-hmm. They've put in hours and days and weeks towards strategy and vision. Sure. And, you know, if we're hired in what they think is like the 10th or 11th hour, we don't want to come in and pretend we know all the answers and we're <laughs> creative yeah. geniuses. Yeah. We don't do that. Right. Right. We don't do that at all. We try and off- offer suggestions, ways to support what they've already been hatching. Did you get a sense that companies were looking for a partner that had a why, that had a, yeah. a meaning behind what they did? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we would get we would get calls specifically for that reason because you got to yeah. understand a creative service is like a totally foreign object. It's like me buying a bottle of wine. I walk yeah. in, I have no idea what I'm looking at. <laughs> yeah, right. You just can I go to the employee recommends part of exactly. the story? Yeah. But if I see a label on a bottle of wine that says best for Valentine's Day and I'm in the market because it's Valentine's yeah. Day, right, then I'm going to pick that bottle of wine. So that that winery has done a really good job at targeting a very specific buyer and we just tried to do the same thing. Yeah. So we would get calls. For example, one of our first clients in 2015 was MIT, they called us and they said, we're looking at a, a, like a list of 50 production companies in Boston. They all look exactly the same to us. But we're telling stories about how to solve some of the world's biggest problems. Health, technology, yeah. energy, education. And you are the only production company who differentiates yourself as specialists at those stories. So we're hiring you for that reason. Wow. Yeah. What was that like? That must have been feeling like you're hitting the... Hitting a grand slam. Well, it was it was definitely very validating in I terms bet. of that stake that we had planted in the ground early on. To say like, oh my gosh, yeah. people are, this is working. Or right. people are hearing this message and what you're putting out there is resonating. Yeah. So like I said, it was definitely a market-driven decision. Hmm. After the 2016 election, it became a more urgent, mm-hmm. kind of very real world yeah. decision. Um, when... Trump was elected. We cold called a lot of clients who we aspired to one day work for. We mm-hmm. got a couple answers, and the best case study from that decision is Planned Parenthood. Yeah. Who we've in our first job, we basically just said, "Hey, send us anywhere, pro bono. We'll do any story for you." Okay. And fast forward two years. Last uh, fall, we did a huge campaign that went for radio and broadcast and digital and awesome. potentially from all that content now a 15 minute short film that's going to go to festivals so amazing yeah so they're a great that's incredible congratulations thank you very much yeah <laughs> that's that's wonderful i mean thank you. to to hear where you started 
and to, to be able to talk about like um, sort of the success of that and how this that project has grown just beyond a video. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, is is really great. Thank you. Appreciate it. So tell me a little bit more uh, about the idea of stories that matter. Well, it was definitely the DNA of Boston and us planning our roots here in that uh, old fire station in the East Boston shipyard. The city's all about education and health and science. And so it really was a way for us to get in the door at Harvard and MIT and a lot of the hospitals and schools in the area. Mm -hmm. But since then, and especially in the era of Trump, it's, it's really been a winning strategy for marketing ourselves not just towards companies who make positive change as their business model, but as a byproduct as well. And so a mm. great example of that is the work that we've done with Small Army on SolidWorks. Yeah. SolidWorks is a 3D software company. Mm -hmm. They're an enormous company. Yeah, they're huge. Probably the biggest one you've never heard of. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, but they make 3D software, and that alone isn't saving the planet or people necessarily. Right. The software right. isn't. The software alone isn't doing it. It's software, right? Exactly. It's CAD software for engineers and product designers. Right. 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 But we got a call from. Small Army, because of our approach to social impact, usually nonfiction, character-driven stories, right. because that was the right fit for what SolidWorks wanted to do. Mm -hmm. SolidWorks had two stories from 2018 that we worked on. The first was about a small team of engineers that fly from earthquake to war zone to, in this case, the aftermath of two Category 5 hurricanes that were within 10 days of each other and just kind of ravaged Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands. This team shows up with a laptop that has SolidWorks on mm -hmm. it and a 3D printer and a suitcase, and they'll make parts to fix 1,000 air conditioning units in a hospital, or they'll make parts to fix car batteries. Yeah. In this case, they were making parts to bring back all of the, the damaged solar panels on the island of St. Thomas. Mm -hmm. That's the story. Yeah. And it was great to be empowered by Small Army. The client was also there with us to say, it's not about the software. It's not about the new features that we rolled out this year. It's about the impact that that product makes. That was the first story. The second story was about a guy who's a retired entrepreneur from New York City. He's bought a cattle farm in upstate New York. And he's using SolidWorks to design the world's first electric truck, yeah. which was really cool for us. It's really not complicated. If you're in business and if you're a company and you're in business, it's because your product creates value for someone. What does that look like? What's right. that story? Right. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Do you have any particular story that, um, that has mattered to you <laughs> maybe more than others? Not that there aren't – they aren't all – maybe equally as significant, but yeah. anything that maybe you or the three of you kind of hit home or really mm -hmm. resonate or get you really uh, inspired? Yeah, I mean, I could answer for all of us. Yeah. Which is that our first documentary really was the kind of kickstarting ignition switch for our company. And I think you could ask all three of us what's like the most meaningful thing you've ever done with your life. And fairly short life so far, but you know <laughs> what 
what's the most impact that you've created so far? And it's definitely a shared answer that it was our first film. And tell me a little bit more, remind me a little bit, this is the one with MIT? No, uh, before that it was a documentary produced while we were in college. Okay. We, over the summer, met a surfer down in Rhode Island who is a paraplegic. Can't walk, mm. but he can surf. And we were pretty blown away with that, so we brought our Whoa. cameras to the beach, got some footage of him surfing. He was in a dirt biking accident seven years earlier and went through Spalding here in Boston. Mm -hmm. So we brought that footage up to patients who were still in bed because they had woken up one day, suddenly their bodies changed. Yeah, They are paralyzed from the waist or neck down. Maybe they've lost a limb in some injury. So to put footage in front of them of our friend Zach getting on a board and paddling into a wave Whoa. from his wheelchair was, was impactful. Holy cow. Yeah. That was how, did you, how did you meet this guy? How did you come? How did you first get in touch with Zach? You I mean, were just on the beach and you saw this guy it wasn't, no, surfing we or did you have a beach. connection? Yeah, we, I uh, mean, like, we were working summer jobs together. We were working down kind of on the waterfront in, uh, in Rhode Island. And yeah. um, he was just around and we sparked up a conversation. I mean, if you meet him, he's like he's running for mayor constantly. He'll oh. always stop and talk to anyone. So. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, so project. you just sort of befriended this guy and then through conversation realized he's a surfer and then you're like, oh my gosh, yeah, this story is could be beneficial to other people right. who may be going through sort of a traumatic or you know, life-changing event. Right, and, and that was just the beginning. We never planned on doing anything other than bringing that footage to rehab patients at Spalding, but it ended up becoming a feature film we did a Kickstarter for it when we were in college, which was absolutely terrifying. <laughs> um, but this was back when you know crowd, crowdfunding was still novel. Well, I was going to say it was new, right? They're like, oh, sure, I'll give. Yeah, they didn't realize they were being swindled yet. <laughs> exactly. Did the Kickstarter work? Did you get enough support to, yeah, to kind of get it up and running? Uh, we had, our goal was 30K in 30 days, and we raised $31,000, which was like, I don't think it dawned on us until day one. That the math broke down to a thousand bucks a day. We were yeah. like, "Wait, a oh minute. yeah, oh shit, <laughs> <laughs> that starts now." <laughs> oh gosh, we can't take a day off. We got to right. keep going. So, um, we ended up using that money and a grant to buy a minibus from a local church. We ripped out all the seats and we lived in this thing for forty days as my two partners and Zach and I drove across the country. We profiled about a dozen different athletes with physical disabilities. We went rock climbing with the blind. We played hockey with paraplegics. We played soccer with quadriplegics. We did all these kind of amazing, eye-opening sports. Wow. And um, this was at the very birth of the kind of now global revolution in adaptive sports. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very inspiring stories, but the technology since then, 2012, has completely oh my gosh. evolved in amazing ways, so it would be pretty cool to do a sequel. I bet. Yeah, so we made it to California, and Zach's narrative ties through the whole thing. Every scene in every state is basically him getting thrust into a new sport. <laughs> and the audience... Oh, audience that's great. He's like the guinea pig, like, yeah. all right, here, I'll try this exactly. now. Exactly. The audience laughs at him as he falls on his face. Yeah. Um, and then in California, he gets to go surfing with a quadriplegic, so someone who's paralyzed from the neck down. This guy's a pro surfer named Jesse Blauer. A pro surfer yeah. who's paralyzed from the neck down. Yeah, wild. 
I don't even... He's just got I'll, friends out in the surf who push him. I mean, it's wild. Whoa. Now he uses a board with a jet in it. But back then it was just, hey, can you give me a shove? Yeah. And Zach is sitting in the hospital. Or he's not... Maybe it was a year or two after he got in, um, in that dirt biking accident that put him in a wheelchair. And he sees this photo of Jesse, the pro surfer, paralyzed from the neck down, riding a longboard down a 15-foot wave. And it kind of turned Zach's life around to see that photo and become inspired. He reached out to Jesse just to say, hey, man, I'm back in the water because of you. I'm working again because of you. I'm, my life is back because of you. But they never got to meet. And so the final scene of the film is they go surfing together in California, which was really big for Zach personally and kind of tied the whole narrative together. But I think that that whole experience of shooting Endless Abilities was really important for us because... The idea of giving Zach the authorship of that story became a very central part of our business model mm. at Windy now. So you can't imagine us, three able-bodied guys walking around and interviewing people with disabilities. It would be somewhat inauthentic. Yeah. Zach, having gone through the same experiences as the storyteller, of the people who were telling the stories of mm -hmm, mm -hmm. made Endless Abilities really raw and honest. Yeah. And the en Endless Abilities is the name of the film. Yep, oh, I don't no, know if I mentioned that. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I sort of figured that out as you <laughs> yeah. went, but that makes sense. It's like Endless Summer, the surf film, you know. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that, that model of putting people on our side of the camera who share the experiences of the characters of our stories is still something we do now. And so... Um, you know, when we're doing these stories of Planned Parenthood, for example, it's incredibly important to have women leading our crew, mm. shooting, directing, producing, editing. So that little, just very simple concept of authorship and agency, the resources that we have as a production company, extending them to people who really understand the story on a personal level yeah. is really very essential to our business model now. That's wonderful. Thanks. Yeah, that's really inspiring. I, I didn't even know all the depths of this stuff. and uh, <laughs> It was wild. Maybe we got I, we ran out of gas in the middle of Salt Flats in Utah. We, you, we could probably talk for we a could, week straight about we all these stories, but they're so inspiring, and you speak with such conviction and confidence that this is what we wanted to do, and we did it. And you've had success doing it. Sounds it sounds simple now, doesn't it? Does, it? <laughs> it does sound simple. I'm like, well, you just, you meet the guy, you know, you just pal with the guy in preschool. And right, then you right. meet another guy in high school. And then in college, on the weekends and nights, you do this, and then you do this, and you do this. There must be something in you that says, I don't know, is there something in you that says, I need to tell these stories? Or maybe not just you, but you and Will and Harvey that said, we, we need to share these stories. Well, it was a want yeah. When we started, we want to share these stories because there's a market demand for it, right. at least in Boston and now throughout the country. I think uh, in the age of Trump, I keep saying that, but it's it's really true now that it does play a role in our company. There's a need to do it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so it, it, has, it has turned out to be something that makes us jump out of bed. We, the three of us, we hope this is true for our employees, too. They, you know, we all run to work which is cool. That's great. So are you on the road a lot? 
we were. It was me and Harvey and Will in a van. <laughs> yeah. With a camera for a, a long time. And I think... And you guys made it work. Yeah, it's totally unsustainable. I think if you're, you know, facing a mortgage or <laughs> <laughs> raising a family. But yeah, have other responsibilities that might keep you... Yeah, luckily we were dumb enough. Anchored a little bit. Yeah, okay. And, and young enough to, to think that that was a smart idea. Do you have to have a little bit of that sort of dumb, you said dumb, but I might almost rephrase it as like entrepreneurial drive. <laughs> Do you have to have a little bit of that to be successful? Yeah, I think it's, I think you have to be naive. I think you have to not understand um, the traditional approach, hmm. right? So I mentioned that the three of us started this right out of college. If we had worked at a traditional production company that maybe was based in an era of analog or broadcast distribution or union crews, then we would have brought all of that assumption mm -hmm. with us to our new company, and it would look nothing like what we have now, which is the opposite. It's non-union, digital production. Actually, we're starting to shoot analog, too, which is fun. Oh, that's cool. And um, and digital distribution. Mostly, we started right. to do broadcast and radio podcasts now. But um, just, yeah, you're right. It's not, dumb is probably the wrong word. It's just, it's it's you got to be smart, but you also benefit by being ignorant of the old way of doing some things. Not maybe not letting that yeah color exactly or change maybe the the drive that you have. Yeah, not let it affect you. At least that that that's what's worked for us. Yeah, I often am on the other side of that, and I think, damn, it would have been really great to learn from somebody else's mistakes. <laughs> maybe apprentice for a little bit. Yeah, you know. But I would imagine you've learned so much just by going out on your own. It's yeah, it's. Maybe it's scary. <laughs> it's scary. It's terrifying. I mean, like we said, it look back, it feels simple. We've been very, very lucky to rub, you know, to rub dimes together, it feels like often, <laughs> and, um, and create this business without loans or debt or investors, which has been really exciting to kind of build the whole thing from just working hard and, and great mentors. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been times where we really didn't know if we'd be able to pay the bills, frankly. Yeah. And that's a good indication. I mm. think if we were beholden to investors, we'd be responding to another force. Mm. But our company is completely dependent on our clients. So we are really responding only to them and nobody else. Yeah. And, that, and that really forces us to figure out what product works best, what process works best. And that's thrilling. You know? Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. It's terrifying sometimes. I bet. For sure. I bet. I'm sure there are a lot of nights where you're like, oh my gosh, is this going to work? Is this going to work? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of but... sleepless nights. Um, <laughs> it's a little bit more robust now. We've got a great team of employees who we um, remind us and them all the time that they are doing a better job than we ever did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we're more focused on strategy now and, and relationships and creative concepting and Cool. execution, the team that we have is doing an amazing job manufacturing and, and producing the product. Yeah. We get to oversee that, but we don't actually have to clock the hours behind the wheel in the van anymore necessarily. Yeah. 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 Um, do, you, uh, do you have any sort of mantra or belief that you, that kind of drives the three of you? Is there any sort of, you know, you hear of companies having like a, an adage or you know, at Small Army, we call it a moral of the story. Yeah, it's actually written on the front of our building. Yeah, okay. <laughs> in giant letters. It says, 
somewhere something incredible is waiting to be known. And it's a little clunky. Can you say it again? Yes. Somewhere something incredible is waiting to be known. Somewhere something incredible is waiting to be known. Yeah. It's not our quote. I think it's Carl Sagan or something like that. But it's, yeah. I think it sums it up pretty well, which is the idea that you're looking at a vast untapped potential of stories that are out there because we really feel like it's about being ready and having the right team, the right people on our side who understand that story on a personal level to, to access what previously was completely in the darkness. This has been a fantastic conversation. I know I learned a lot and it was inspiring to me and I'm sure that our listeners will uh, feel the same. Just hearing the trajectory of someone who, you know, in your story, in your shoes and the, the work that you guys have already done. And I look forward to you know, potentially working together in the future and Hopefully, hearing yeah. more uh, great stories to come. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we should also say that a lot of the success that we've had is due to great partnerships like Small Army. Yeah. You guys believed in us from the beginning. Oh, thank you. And threw us a lot of work. Yeah. And it's some of the work that we're most proud of. Now, I, so. We would say the same. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, All right, thanks. Yeah, cheers. Humans Behind the Ads is sponsored and produced by Small Army. Check us out on Twitter at Humans Behind Ads. Remember, we're all human. See you next time.